0: Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning. Christ is born. Born. We have so many commemorations today. One hardly knows where to begin. Continuing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, but uh, being uh, the Sunday after the Nativity, we commemorate the prophet David, righteous Joseph, and James. Uh, The prophet David because the Lord promised that he would uh, descend from his seed and from his ancestry. Righteous Joseph because Joseph was his guardian and accompanied him to safety down in Egypt, which, of course, is what the Gospel lesson was about. And James also, because according to the tradition of the church, James, brother of the Lord by, jo- by Joseph, accompanied them down into Egypt. Did you ever read that or hear that before? But it makes sense because... As soon as Christ was born in Bethlehem, and then when he uh, was presented in the temple uh, in Jerusalem at 40 days, they, knowing that Herod was seeking his life, retired quickly to Nazareth. The, the Gospel of Luke says that. They went to Nazareth. And Joseph was from Nazareth, and likely he picked up James and headed to Egypt. At least this is St. Nikolai's uh, speculation about the, the sequence of events. We also celebrate today the martyrdom of St. Stephen, the first Christian martyr in the hi- history of, uh, of Christianity. And it's not by accident that this falls only two days after the Feast of the Nativity. Because as we see in the In the scripture lesson today, Christianity is not just about the abundant life, especially if we are thinking of it in material terms. But it is a life of suffering. And Christ comes into the world, and immediately there is suffering. And and, and immediately the church commemorates the first one who suffered and who gave his life for Jesus Christ. Imagine, do you know anybody? Or would you count your faith over your life? Is your faith more important than the preservation of your life? We commemorate a man today whose faith in Jesus Christ was more important than his life itself. And so, <clears throat> turning to St. Nikolai's uh, commentary on this gospel lesson, I think I've told you before, it was back uh, shortly after Christmas of 2003, and I was visiting the St. Paisius Monastery, and, and they were reading this sermon at the mealtime, and I was so captured by this particular sermon And I was sitting next to Mother Michaela, and I said, who is that? She said, that's St. Nikolai. I said, St. Nikolai who? I had no idea who this man was, but I was so uh, captured by what he said because he listed all of these things that Christ did when he went down into Egypt. And I was just blown away. And uh, forgive me if I take a couple of extra minutes today, but I would like to go through these things with you today. He says, men rarely have more than one aim in view when they're doing something. But God rarely has only one aim in view when he performs something. When he's performing something, he has many things in view, many things in mind, many things to be accomplished in one action. And so sending Jesus into Egypt... God's aim was, before all else, to save His Son's life from being slaughtered in Bethlehem. Number one, and before all else, and the obvious. But secondly, God repeated the same lesson that He had directed at the hard-heartedness that he had taught his human ancestors once before. This line of ancestry that goes back to David and back to Abraham is filled with uh, the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Hard-heartedness. St. Nikolai reminds us that Jacob's sons, out of envy, wanted to Kill their brother Joseph, but Joseph found shelter in Egypt. And now Herod, the king, out of envy, wants to kill Jesus, but Jesus finds shelter in Egypt. Puffed up because of their Purity, their so-called purity and their so-called faith in the one living God, the Jews hasten out of envy to kill the purest of the pure. Joseph in Egypt was pure, wasn't he? Jesus is the purest of the pure. He flees from them and he finds as Joseph before him a sure shelter in his life in Egypt, a place that was hated and scorned by the Jews. Thirdly, he, sent, he is sent to Egypt. Jesus is sent to Egypt because Babylon and Egypt, more than anywhere else in the known world, were consumed with immoral behavior. And so he sent the three wise men back to Babylon. And what message are they carrying with them? We worshipped God in the flesh. Our lives are changed forever. So he sent them back to Babylon with the message of salvation and he himself goes down into Egypt desiring to turn both places to the path of truth and teaching us that from the very beginning of the Christian life we should expect to suffer. And there's something wrong with the way the Christian message is being presented in our nation in our day. And you know that we're not preaching a Christianity that expects to suffer, but we're preaching a Christianity that expects to prosper materially. And we know today, in reflecting on what happened to Jesus Christ in his infancy, that this is not true. It was stated earlier that just as Jacob's sons out of envy wanted to kill their brother Joseph, he found shelter in Egypt, and that Jesus Christ also found shelter from Herod in Egypt. But there's another comparison with Joseph and Jesus Christ. As Joseph, who was first persecuted by his brothers and then by Potiphar because of his purity, He became with God's help the guardian of Egypt and of his brothers who had been his enemies and he fed them both, Egypt and his brothers who sold them into slavery. Joseph fed them with bread. And so will the persecuted Jesus become the guardian and the giver of the bread of life not just bread, the bread of life. Both in Egypt and in Israel and throughout the whole world, He will give us Himself as the bread of life. Now Jerusalem seeks to kill Him, but later Jesus will return to Jerusalem and do what? Give them bread. 12 baskets left over. (laughs) Number five. Pharaoh once commanded all the male Hebrew children to be killed, but Moses not only survived, but he became the savior of his people and led them to the promised land. So now Herod wants to kill all the young males in Bethlehem. Now the king of the Jews wants to kill the Jews. Not the Pharaoh wanting to kill the the Jews. Now the king of the Jews wants to kill the Jews. Now Herod commands all the young males in Bethlehem and the surrounding region to be killed in order to kill their new king and savior. But by the time Christ ascended into the heavenly Jerusalem, the promised kingdom, and was glorified as king of kings and lord of lords, Herod's kingdom was dust and ashes in the earthly Jerusalem. So Herod trying to save the king the earthly kingdom of Jerusalem for himself and his sons finds it in dust and ashes as the one who he seeks rises in glory to the heavenly Jerusalem to the Jerusalem above which is free the church and the mother of us all when god's chosen people went down into egypt seeking for food, they became ungrateful and disobedient and abandoned their purity of faith and adopted Egyptian paganism, giving themselves over to darkness and the depravity of Egypt. This is, this is all St. Nikolai. I'm just sharing. <laughs> he doesn't mince words, does he? <laughs> But God gave them Moses, who worked miracles and led them out of bondage. And God fed them in the wilderness for 40 years. And all they did was murmur with ingratitude and disobedience. And even when they were led into the land of Canaan, the promised land, and God drove out their enemies and gave them the land of milk and honey, All they did was murmur with ingratitude and disobedience. But here, Jesus flees down into Egypt with no word of complaint. He lives in poverty in a foreign land with no word of complaint. He's returned through the desert to Israel with no complaint, no thought of protest against his heavenly father, no thought of protest against his pure mother, or against his earthly guardian, righteous Joseph. And he does this to recapitulate the whole history of the suffering of the nation of Israel, but with a heart full of gratitude and devotion and obedience to the Most High God. And as a reprimand to the self-willed and disobedient Israel and as an example to everyone not to murmur or grumble or, or complain. Finally, it says that uh, he came into contact with these All three chief races of man. All the sons of Noah. You remember Shem, Ham, and Japheth? The three sons of Noah? Okay, Jesus was born into this Semitic race. You know, we say the Semites, right? The Semites. It's really, to to understand, it's the Shemites, right? And it's been shortened to the Semites. Who are the Semites, the sons of Shem, the Shemites, all right? and the Japhethites, the Romans and the Greeks, and the Hamites of, of Egypt and Africa. So he was born into the Semitic race. He was surrounded by the Japhethites, that is, the Romans and the Greeks, but it was important for him in his flight into Egypt not only is uh, the flight of himself to save himself but one directed more at the salvation of all men and so he wanted to personally go down and be c- in contact with the hamites because the other two were covered oh, i've got a guy go, i've got i've got to go to the hamites and i have to personally be there And we remember that the sons of Ham were cursed by Noah. And oh, how the curse was lifted. When Jesus went down into Egypt. And I want to share with with you just this one paragraph from St. Nikolai that shows the effect of the presence of his person in Egypt. The son has no tongue. But it says a great deal every day to those who are capable of hearing. And it has no hands to work marvels, but it does so every day for those who are capable of seeing. And we mortals cannot measure or assess the whole influence that the child had on Egypt, the child Jesus. But that his influence was immeasurably great is undoubted. Did not the woman with the issue of blood receive healing simply by touching his garments? How then could his sheer wonder-working presence among them not have an enormous influence on the people of Egypt? Above all, we can clearly see his influence of his stay in the land of Ham in the later history of Christianity. It was in Egypt that there blossomed the most glorious monasticism in the Christian church headed by Saint Anthony the Great. In Egypt, the blood of many innocent martyrs was shed. Is it not enough for us to just mention the holy martyrs Barbara and Catherine? Egypt gave us outstanding theologians and thinkers. Christian Egypt had a terrible battle with Arius, the worst Christian heretic ever shaming him and overcoming him, and by this enriching the whole church in incalculable victory. The Egyptian form of the creed was adopted by the ecumenical council of Nicaea and our patron saint, Athanasius the Great, shone like a bright sun in a sometimes darkened land of Pharaoh. All because... Jesus went down there in person to lift the curse and to bless Egypt and thus the whole world. Accomplishing many things in one action. Well, lest we think that we beat up a little too hard on the Jews and King Herod and the Egyptians today, Let's pause for just a second as we wrap, wrap it up. And think about our own nation for a, minute, for a minute. And how the first true settlers in North America, not the explorers, but the ones who came after it and established this country in North America, they came here suffering religious persecution. And they came to this land for refuge, seeking a new life. It took Israel 2,000 years to get into the mess it was with Herod, trying to kill the Messiah. How long has it taken us to get there You know, we need to repent. And I'm not talking about the non-Christians in this nation. I'm talking about the religious people in this nation. The Christians in this nation. We are the ones who need to repent. Because we've turned things upside down. and delivered a false Christian message and so let's go deep inside deep inside today rejoicing on the one hand that Christ has given us new life by his birth and at the same time asking ourselves in what way have we rejected this in what way Have we become the persecutors of the truth in this country? And once again, turn and cling to Jesus Christ and ask him to be born in our hearts anew today as he was born on that day in Bethlehem. Amen.